you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from the ChrisVossShow.com. The ChrisVossShow.com. Welcome to the show, folks. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for being here once again. Hey, the Chris Voss Show, the family that loves you but doesn't judge you. The best kind of family there is. You can get it on shirts coming this winter. I don't know. We're not doing shirts this winter. I don't know what the hell we're doing this winter. And we're going to stay warm. And you can stay warm, too, by referring the show to your family, friends, and relatives at Chris Voss. I don't know. Any of the Chris Voss show channels, go to YouTube.com, forward slash Chris Voss. Goodreads.com, forward slash Chris Voss. LinkedIn, the big LinkedIn group, Chris Voss Leadership Institute.com. And all that good stuff. Stay tuned. We've got some amazing CEO uh, interviews on leadership, too, coming up as well. Today, we have another amazing author on the show. She's got a new book that's coming out August 30th, 2022. You can pick it up and pre-order it for your book club. Be the first one to read it. And I find it most interesting because I've always been interested in their, their culture, their caste society, and everything else. I'm always interested in learning new things. So that's why I have the show, so I can learn some stuff. This is how I learn people. I skipped, I skipped college. <laughs> so she's the author of the new book, The Newlyweds, Rearranging Marriage in Modern India. It comes out August 30, 30th or 30, 2022. Monzi Choksi is on the show with us today. She's going to be talking to us about her amazing book, what went into it, all the research she did. And you're probably going to learn some interesting things about stuff. And how the world is changing, you know, it's changing everywhere around the world, you know, modernism and traditionalism and everything else. She is a graduate of the Columbia School of Journalism and two-time Livingston Award finalist. Her writing has appeared in the New York Times, the New Yorker, National Geographic, Harper's Magazine, The Atlantic, and more. She lives in Dubai with her husband and son. The Newlyweds is her first book. Welcome to the show and congratulations on your first book. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. And give us your .coms or wherever you have on yes. the interwebs you want people to find you. Yeah. So my website is mansichoksi.com. That's M-A-N-S-I-C-H-O-K-S-I.com. Twitter is mansi underscore choksi. Instagram is mansi underscore choksi. LinkedIn is mansi choksi. And Facebook is mansi choksi. There you go. So what motivated you want to write this as your first book? Yeah. So I grew up in India. I grew up in Mumbai. And one of the things that I constantly thought about is how so many young people don't, how the society does not implode from so many young people pushing against what we want and what um, we, we can have. India has one of the world's largest young populations, yet we have, you know, we're, we're expected to adhere to um, centuries old traditions, um, especially with um, love and marriage. You know, love is essentially taboo and marriage is seen as a sort of arrangement between two families that belong to the same, you know, in the same sort of like hierarchy of caste, class, region, language. You know, marriage is just seen as an extension of two families, essentially. So th there's a lot of pressure placed on who you can choose to marry. Yeah. And I wanted to and I wanted to really tell the story about what was happening in India right now mm -hmm. through the vehicle of the love story. So I wanted to discuss serious 
forces that are changing modern India. For example, how, you know, the, the, the sort of relevance of a millennia-old caste prejudice in society today, you know, our colonial history with homophobic legislation and, you know, how, how, how ancient Indian society, like, does not have a base, like, did not have a culture of, you know, like, ostracizing LGBT or same-sex love. And thirdly, about a Hindu and Muslim couple that finds itself at the center of a political controversy known as Love Jihad. And I wanted to use that story to highlight a larger sort of theme about, you know, India's lurch to the right. So I wanted to, I wanted to use this, the vehicle of the love story to discuss mm. the big issues that we're facing in India at the moment, and especially for what's at stake for young people. Mm -hmm. and, and India has a lot of different, I believe, languages or sub-languages, don't they? Yeah. And then different... Thousands, millions. Wow. And then yeah, cultures. Yeah. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, here in America, we just use the F word everywhere. And pretty much, <laughs> that's pretty much our language. Colonialism <laughs> brought some of that. We've got that. Yeah, we've got that too. Yeah, we export Americanism to everybody <laughs> and ruin their country. So, yeah, this is kind of interesting. You know, I didn't know about the caste system in yeah. in India until I read, I think, Israel Wilkerson's book on, mm -hmm. on caste, yeah. which yeah. is incredible. Yeah. And I learned so much about it. And, and it was, you know, I mean... It, Hey, to, to me, it seems very crazy, but, you know, I, I grew up in the age where I think in England, you, you know, up until Margaret Thatcher, you know, they had the, they had their system too. And it, it's really, it's really curious. And, and I often thought about that because, you know, I've seen Romeo and Juliet, the play, you know, I know when two, you know, you can't, you can't hold back love. Is there a song yeah. or something yeah. that I'm thinking of, you know, when people love each other, you know. Hi, folks, here's Voss here with a little station break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. We'll resume here in a second. Uh, I'd like to invite you to come to my coaching, speaking, and training courses website. You can also see our new podcast over there at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Over there, you can find all the different stuff that we do for speaking engagements, if you'd like to hire me, uh, training courses that we offer, and coaching for leadership, management, entrepreneurism, uh, podcasting, corporate stuff. Uh, with over 35 years of experience in business and running companies as a CEO, uh, I think I can offer a wonderful breadth of information information and knowledge to you or anyone that you want to invite me to for your company. Thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you listening to the show and be sure to check out chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. Now back to the show. And it's kind of interesting. You, you mentioned early on that, you know, love isn't something that, you know, I guess in the traditionalism, India really isn't a thing then, huh? Yeah, no, I mean, there has always been a history of love in India, but Society has always sort of thwarted it. So even our greatest love stories, for instance, Bollywood, which is, you know, essentially like our largest, like, it, I would say it's like our national narrative in a sense, because it's just so popular and widespread. Yeah. Are there 80% uh, romantic films? So, yeah, I mean, love and the, you know, the, the concept of love is... And, you know, these forbidden love stories especially are, are, are pervasive across India. And, but, the, but the truth is that in real life, the stakes are really high for people who choose to love outside of tradition. Mm. And those stakes can look, you know, really dangerous. So one of the couples in the book, the, the, their names are Nitu and Davinder. They belong to different castes and they're from the same village. And according to rural customs, men and women of the same village are considered brothers and sisters. So it's a form of incest in their mind. And they also belong to different... So when they run away, the, their main worry is uh, being targeted for honor killing by their community. They're worried that they will... Wow. 
yeah they will be kidnapped and they will be they will be killed and and that's and that's not a and that's not a paranoia or like something completely far fetched because um, you know there are instances that we hear of constantly where you know couples that run away for or elope together for love outside of these boundaries of caste and religion do often find themselves at you know at, in the middle of these ho- horrific murder cases a uh, not far from where neetu and devinder grew up there was another couple that wh- who's also mentioned in the book named Ban- manoj and bubbly who you know who sought police protection you know like got all the courts help to to give them the protection to go to a safe place and eventually you know they were they were kidnapped by the girl's family the manoj was sort of like a strangle strangled to death and wow. bubbly was forced to drink insecticide and you know their bodies were just found wrapped in gunny sacks in some village canal so there are really there are really serious stakes here yeah that's like a whole That's a worse story than Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, you got somebody else making drink the poison. The uh, speaking, I'm not going to do that joke. This is really interesting. You know, it's interesting to me that honor killings are still going on. I guess. Yeah. Is that legal in India? How does no, that work? No, no. Like... Um, so that's the thing. So honor killings for the longest time, on there was no separate law to deal with honor killings. Mm-hmm. they were clubbed with murders and you know there you know that uh, unlike say the dowry law which has tradition at the root of that law so mm-hmm. there there's a there's a law for anti dowry practice so dowry mm-hmm. is is the wealth that the fam- the the bride's family is traditionally expected to hand over to the man who will marry her mm-hmm. and it's a form of a bigger source of domestic abuse because the the groom's family can keep on harassing the bride and you know essentially blackmailing her family for more and more money. So so there was a special law that was, you know, I I'm, I'm not sure on which year, but there was a special law that came into effect that did a really good job at tackling that issue. But mm-hmm. it, with honor crimes for instance, that has not been the case so far because they have mm-hmm. always been clubbed with murder. And often we find that, you know, policemen that are that are investigating honor crimes are also on the side of families or empathize with families that perpetrate these crimes. Yeah. Uh, so that's another problem. So currently there's a law in the parliament up for discussion to kind of start a separate law for honor killing and hopefully that'll pass soon and you know things will look better. Yeah, that would be ideal. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, if somebody runs off with my daughter, I'm just like just as long as you pay for all the yeah. stuff she keeps buying on Amazon. I'm just kidding. I don't have a daughter. What? But if I did, that would probably be the joke I'd use. You know, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be wanting to kill you. I'd be like, "Thanks for taking over the payments." The that, that's really that's really strange. You know, I grew up in religion where, you know, it's very cultish, especially the religion I grew up in, and you know, they're, you know, you have to get married in the temple and all this kind of silliness. and stuff okay. it's it's but this is like a whole new level and you know i heard about a lot of this growing yeah. up and you would think in 2022 that we're more modern than we are but i don't know if you've seen the place lately where we're still stuck in a lot of old world stuff so you tell the stories and i imagine you tell the stories of one couple that are that i believe are gay or a lesbian couple yes yes um, yes there's one and of course couple. you know more and more that's be become accepted uh, people can come out that are gay they don't have to hide anymore and so yeah i can imagine in countries that are still struggling with embracing this that's is is is, yeah. is, is lgbtq gay marriage is that legal in your country at all yeah so no it's not legal but it's also it's it's decriminalized lately so so with the indian penal code that was drafted with the help of the british colonizers came an act called uh, section 377 
which essentially outlawed homosexual behavior, but also clubbed homosexual behavior with, you know, pedophilia and, you know, other horrible things. And yeah, and then, you know, there's been a, there's been a long, long timeline of uh, activism around this law, because as, as, you know, as the country, you know, liberalized, opened up a lot of the other laws that were regressive and, you know, kind of like had no space in modern India were, were updated, changed struck down but yeah in 2010 there was a law that was passed that would that decriminalized uh, homosexual behavior but then there was a you know there was a series of other litigations that put you know kind of like penalized that behavior again and late just in 2018 finally a law was passed to decriminalize homosexuality in india mm. um but that doesn't mean that they that homosexual people or lgbt people are, are given equal rights absolutely not it just means that it's no longer a criminal act Wow. So there's a long, long fight and a long way to go before, you know, there can be equal rights for, for everybody and every citizen of India. It's an interesting journey. One, one thing yeah. I found that was interesting in your book is in India, two out of three people are under the age of 35. So yeah. you have a kind of a dwindling, you know, dying off older class like we do. And you have this, yeah. you have an, a massive group of people that want to modernize the world. Right. So there's probably a lot of battle between the old and new worlds. Absolutely. But also it's, it's, it's a very, this, this particular generation is really unique because this is the first generation that's had access to mobile phones, to, to you know, to like all forms of media. And, uh, you know, it's kind of opened up our worlds in, in a way that has never happened before in India. You know, our lives were kind of limited to, to your home, your street, your city at the most. But now mm -hmm. suddenly we're, you know, we're able to see what teenagers in South Korea or in the United States are doing. Mm -hmm. And, and on one hand, there is this like, full of like modernity, but then mm -hmm. there's also this very deep push, I mean, sorry, push of modernity pull either way, uh, the, the push of, of tradition, like we are really mm -hmm. deep rooted. We have really internalized, you know, like the, the, the concept of filial duty is really huge in Indian society. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, kind of you, you want to do well by your parents' expectations. And uh, if you don't, you, you know, there is a a huge personal sort of like feeling of failure if you if you don't sort of like don't, don't have that duty bound feeling oh. yeah so recently actually a poll was conducted where uh, they did a bunch of you know like they surveyed a bunch of a bunch of young people in india and asked them about their attitudes towards love and marriage and it was mm. astounding because most most young people actually said that yeah we actually believe in like marrying in the same caste we actually believe in you know choosing a partner from our own religion you know that love marriage is not uh, arranged marriage is better than love marriage so you know on one hand you might think that this young people want something else but it's also that it's also true that a lot of young people want to live their lives exactly as their parents lived it mm. yeah well i mean there's a lot of i don't know it's really interesting to me what's going on in india because you know, we have a dwindling population and we're on decline. So is, and you look at what's gone on in Japan, yeah. uh, they're in decline and they have some real gentrification problems. China does as well. And for a long time, you know, it was widely accepted that China would become the new rise of the dominant economic force and marketplace in, in the future because of their population. But exactly. it looks like almost India probably has a better has a better shot at it because of the younger generation that's that's right. there. And of course, yeah. the, the I'm sure the modernization that they're going to eventually do, hopefully they don't fall camp to the same things we did. I mean, when we destroyed the family, we pretty much destroyed everything. And that's what we're finding out now through a whole lifetime of generations that destroying the family and destroying fathers was 
was was was the thing that would take apart everything. Now we're just in utter collapse, really. When you look at how we're built, so it'll be interesting to see how you guys go down that path and and yeah. having having you know we have a much smaller generation to support the older generation. In fact, one of the problems we're having in our society right now is is you know we were warned for so many years that, that when the baby boomers retired our much smaller generations that followed would not be able to support their social security and the, and the power of that. And right. now we're really struggling because so many of the people from even my generation, Gen X and, and boomers with COVID just went, Hey, screw it, man, we're out. We're, we're out of the workforce. We're, we're just going to retire early. We're out. And now we're really finding out how much we're missing those workers and, and how much is right. affecting our economy inflation and, you know, it's, just, it's, it's creative mayhem and Bedlam over here. So you guys have really, I mean, I think you're one of the few countries that have a future with, you know, a really young populace and mass yeah. that's, that's bigger than the older populace. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see how these things play out with marriage and traditionalism and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and hopefully they'll right. make the same mistakes we did. Yeah. But there's a huge challenge as well about that because we have this massive, you know, it's like it's, it's any economy's dream, right, to have this massive labor force ready to be employed. But yeah. we're also not able to produce jobs at that scale because India kind of jumped from a manufacturing economy to, I mean, a, a, an agrarian economy to a service economy, essentially missing the manufacturing part. Yeah. And we just do not have the jobs that can sustain this, you know, kind of huge labor force or like meaningfully employ them. So one of the problems we're dealing with at the moment is one of the highest rates of educated unemployment. So we have hordes of highly educated young Indians that are graduating, trying to enter the workforce, but are not able to find jobs that can that are meaningful to them or can, can, you know, fulfill their aspirations. So then they will take a gap here, try to like enter the part time economy or do some temp work. But yeah, so, it, you know, it's not really, we're at the stage at the moment where, you know, we have a lot of frustrated aspirations of, of these young people, mm -hmm. especially, and, and I, I think that that's part of why, you know, often we'll hear about like in, in one of the states, a train will be set to fire in, in, in a, you know, an active demonstration against, you know, just the pathetic levels of unemployment. Recently, there was an ad posted for a railways job. I think there were a, a few hundred jobs that were advertised and the millions of young Indians applied for those jobs. And they were very, you know, very basic level jobs that did not, mm. that required, I think, a 10th grade exam certification. But, you know, engineers and doctors and highly qualified professionals applied for these jobs because they don't have jobs or places to, you know, wow. um, fulfill their dreams. Yeah. yeah. Is so, entrepreneurism yeah, a big thing there or is it? Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a big uh, sort of surge in you know, entrepreneurial like startups and, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There needs to be like a Silicon Valley over there sort of type. Yeah. PC I think thing. there's some form of that coming up in the South. Yeah. Of course, you know, not at the same scale. I mean, the CEO of Google right now, I mean, he grew up on a dirt floor in India. I was right, born exactly. on a dirt floor. Yeah. Exactly. And I yeah. mean, but you know, if you you've got to have you got to have some mechanisms in society, government rules, regulations, and you know people that can loan money, and you know there's a whole exactly. lot of support that you comes from the VC. So, yeah, system yeah, in place. Exactly. Yeah. But it'll be interesting. I mean, when you have that many people and they're that industrious to try and and you know they have that industrialism of youth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I yeah. think there's a good chance of finding it. And of course, you know, yeah. over here we just have a bunch of lazy kids who grew up with silver spoons in their mouth and a phone in their hand, and 
they just think everything comes through YouTube or something. I don't know, or TikTok. So, you know. Those yeah. two. Of course we do. Do you? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> weak men, weak men, strong men create weak or easy times and easy times create weak men. And uh, we, see, we seem to be in the circle. Way, yeah. yeah, we seem to be yeah. in the circle of of weak men and now we have to go into hard times to, to find strong yeah. men again. So this is kind of, this is really interesting. I mean, the, the caste system that's over there, I mean, the, the combination of languages. So it's hard to escape and move to another state or area in right. India, I suppose, if you have language yeah. barrier issues. But yes, but in most places, Hindi and English are widely spoken. Uh, yeah. So you you can move around, especially in the big okay. cities, yeah, no problem. But of course, in like smaller, in the countryside, mm-hmm. yeah, that might be an issue. Yeah, they have to worry about people hunting you down. Holy crap. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah, yeah. if someone stole my kids, I'd be like, have fun with that. They're expensive. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep them. Like, yeah, just be nice to them and you can keep them and, you know, all that good stuff. Take them off my hands. I, <laughs> I'd like three. I'd be like, if you change their diapers, you can have them. Just go ahead. Just get them out of my hair. They're crying That's a lot. Hilarious. I'm just being mean. I don't know. It's for the obvious reasons. I don't do diapers. I don't like crying. I, I have enough of that with the uh, people in my life. It's social media. Yeah. Uh, I, I seem to have a, 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 a quite the falling on social media of people crying. Anyway, anything more you want to touch on the book before we go out? Yeah. I, 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 my hope is that the people who read this book come away thinking about, you know, what they've had to put at stake for, for love and how love can take, you know, various forms in our life. Um, in, in, in these stories that I write about, you know, it, it really dwells in the afterlife of what happens when you attain love. So, you know, you kind of watch these couples live with their grand love being diminished into the ordinariness of daily life. So I just hope people, you know, kind of think that, you know, love can have various meanings. It can mean joy, thrill, also regret and also like confusion and sadness. And I just I just hope that it makes them think about their own lives and, you know, make them see the bigger picture. Yeah. And, you know, you know, it's it's crazy what people do for love. That's every long, every great love song is about love. I mean, the heart that just cannot be bridled, I guess, when it comes down to it. Yeah. Uh, So there you go. Well, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you for coming on and sharing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. Order it up, folks. Wherever fine books are sold, go pre-order the book now. The Newlyweds Rearranging Marriage in Modern India. Maybe I'll move to India and find a nice young lass. The... uh, do they still call him a lass? Am I, am I just old? I don't know. Probably. I use that as a joke, folks. So thanks for coming on the show. Give us your .com so we can find you on the interwebs. Yes. It's mansichoksi.com is my website. You'll also see some of my work. You'll get links to the pre-order. My Twitter is mansi underscore choksi. Instagram is mansi underscore choksi. Yeah, I think that's it. There you go. There you go. Order the book, folks. Also, go see everything we're doing on goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, The Chris Voss Show on, of course, YouTube as well, and every place else on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.